To Old Walls House, it's me, it's your main man, it's your host, it's Old Walls. We're back, episode number 38 of Old Walls House. I'm here, I'm here to bring it to you. Got another fantastic episode coming at you this week. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about some fun stuff. But, before we get there, uh, just want to say thank you to everybody. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate everybody uh, coming back and listening. As always, appreciate all the support. Um, even for those people in Germany who have listened to Old Walls House ten times, some somebody in Germany has either listened to ten episodes or like five people have listened to two or just ten different people. Germany, Germany of all places. So for all my German friends, thank you very much. Um, as always, I'm uh, just going to do a little quick housekeeping. You guys know the deal. If you could, please comment, subscribe, rate, review, share, tell a friend. Um, if you're that person in Germany, tell everybody in Germany for me, man. And may, hey, maybe send me an email. Let me know how you found it. Oldwallshouse at gmail.com. Uh, you can always send in questions or feedback or anything there. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said, fun episode. We got to talk some NFL. Uh, we got to talk some college football. We got to talk some President's Cup. Have a special guest. Deep Dish, back to talk some President's Cup golf with us, so uh, fun show coming your way, so without any further ado, let's get into it. Let's start with the NFL. It's always going to kind of lead us, I think. Um, good. I, I don't know if I want to call it a good win for the Packers, but it's a big win. Packers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14-12 to um, in, in a game that was sloppy, sloppy after the second half, into the second half. I just don't, I don't know how to feel about this game. Uh, just some things. Like, Jair, Jair Alexander pulls his groin, and he's out. But on the flip side, David Bakhtiari's back. He's rotating. Uh, he was rotating series. But looked good. Had a great grade from PFF, Pro Football Focus. I believe it was the, the best, the best uh, lineman grade that they gave out this week. So that's good. The Packers looked good in the first half until Aaron Jones fumbled down on the goal line in what was looking like it was he was probably going to get into the end zone if he just holds on to the ball and they were going to go up 21-3. But then from there it was it was not good. It was not good. There was a stretch where they failed eight straight third down conversions. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon only ran for 68 yards on 24 attempts. The wide receivers are banged up. Watson and Sammy Watkins did not play. But then on the flip side, Romeo Dobbs, eight catches, 73 yards, and a TD. Lazard has another TD this week. I just, I'm very confused. But the defense does its job, allows, you know, only 12 points. Devondre Campbell was an absolute maniac. Gets the, you know, the big knockdown. I just, I don't know. The, you know, we said Dobbs had eight receptions. I think he's only the third guy to have eight receptions in like the last 12 years. Not named Devontae Adams. But like the rest of the, like receivers weren't really getting open. 
Rodgers looks a lot like 2019 where he's like holding the ball too long and then just kind of having to force it or get sacked. Also, the, the Bucks were pretty limited. A lot of their line was out. They had none of their receivers, no Evans, no Godwin. I just, I just don't know what to make of this win. Had they blown them out, I would have felt great about it. Like, how it looked like they were going to. They go up 21-3 going into half. I think the route's on. They score one or two more in the second half, and it's over. That said, Tampa Bay has one of the best defenses in the league. So, I'm very torn on what to think about this game. I don't like that the Packers still seem soft as toilet paper and that as soon as something bad happens, they just fold up like a fucking cheap-ass lawn chair. Just whoop. One fumble. Oh, shit. We can't do anything now. We got to suck ass the rest of the game. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm just very confused on what I need to think about this game. It, it didn't, you know, it didn't instill confidence in what they're going to do for the rest of the year. This is the team with, I think, some serious deficiencies. Most of all being, like, there is no go-to receiver. Maybe it's Dobbs. I mean, it was Sammy Watkins last week. Watson can't catch. Dobbs tried to fumble it early in the game, actually. So, I just don't know. I just don't know. But, like I said, Buccaneers defense is good. Really good. I have them on my fantasy team. They get you points. They get you points. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll, you know, I think it's just going to be a learning process. I think, I think the entire NFL is like this. And I, that was in my notes that I, I'm still not totally sure who's good in the NFL. So we'll just have to see Patriots come into town into Lambeau next week. I believe I saw Mac Jones is out for a couple weeks. I, I think I got a notification on my phone as I was kind of getting ready. Yeah. Uh, Patriots quarterback reportedly likely to miss multiple games with severe high ankle sprain. So backup quarterback Patriots, that's a game they should win. That's a game they need to win. Get that one because then you got a little weird stretch because then they uh, then they got to head over to London. And then they're right back the next week, no off week. And then they go out to Washington. So, I mean, they, this is a stretch of games they should win. So... Next week, they got the Patriots, no Mac Jones. Hey, who knows? The Giants are going to be playing in like about five minutes here. Uh, what time's kickoff for Monday night games? 7.15. So six minutes, six minutes. Um, so the Giants will be playing. They're undefeated still. I They are favored, one and a half point favors against the Cowboys. So maybe that's the toughest game because after that, they've got the Jets who aren't particularly good. The Commanders, who aren't particularly good. And then they have the Bills in Week 8. It's a Sunday night game. So, I, I mean, they need to get to that Bills game in Week 8, you know, 6-1. and Because the Bills are tough. I know the Bills went down, but they got, they got to win some games going towards that Bills game. Uh, yeah, let's go to the rest of the NFL here. Uh, the witching hour uh, in football is just, on red zone, just killing it. I, I do... Th- I, you know, without having seen DirecTV's, I think I like Red Zone with Andrew Siciliano better. I'm not trying to knock Scott Hansen. He does a great job. Octavox, seven hours of free football. Start now. 
I just, I, I got partially interested in Siciliano, so I'm working with what I got. I'm working with what I got. But yeah, there were like four games that literally came down to the final seconds. Lions, Vikings, Dolphins, Bills, Texans, Bears, Colts, Chiefs. A couple of them, they just couldn't, you know, snap the ball to spike it in time to like get a chance for a super long field goal. Let's talk about that Dolphins-Bills games for a second. Are the Dolphins, like, good? And how is Tua not dead? He got lit the fuck up. That would have made jacked up back in the... You got jacked up! Um, surprised he was able to come back into the game. I didn't really follow up on it. I saw that. I saw people tweeting, like, how are they going to justify this? But apparently they did. So... You know, I guess he can do it, but he came back in, looked great, thirteen to eighteen for like a buck eighty-five, and you know, a little, a little over half a game, or maybe a little under half a game. So I mean, they're they survived the butt punt, you know, punter punting it into his PP, just straight up in the air, survive that to to take down the Bills. I still think the Bills are good. I still think the Bills are for real. They're one of the few teams I trust. Um, but are the Dolphins one we got to take a look at too? It might be. Um, team we don't have to trust, the Bengals. They don't block for Joe Burrow worth a plug nickel, as uh, my man Julius and remember the Titans would say. Uh, yeah, the, the line, still bad. Still bad. So uh, they can't be successful. Hey, maybe they get catch a run again and get back get themselves back in it, but I just don't see how they can be successful if the line's that bad. The Eagles are the Eagles might be good. Am I? I'm, am I a Hurts believer? I might be a Hurts believer. I think I am. I think I'm a believer in Jalen Hurts. Uh, there was a double reverse flea flicker in the Steelers Browns game. That was incredible. Um, your your undefeated teams, as we're talking about, which teams are good? I, I kind of bounced around and talked about that. Uh, double reverse flea flicker that blew my mind. Um, but we're talking about teams that are good. Three Only three undefeated teams left in the NFL. Dolphins, Eagles, Giants, who play tonight on Monday Night Football. So, I mean, th- there's parity. Only one winless team, the Las Vegas Raiders. wonder how Devontae Adams feels about his choice right now. And like I said, I'm just not sure who looks good. AFC West all lost on Sunday. Pat Mahomes was yelling at Eric Bieniemy again. It feels like his time. It feels like he's probably going to go after this year. Like it just seems like there's there's too much friction with him, and it's kind of amazing he hasn't gotten a job already. And <clears throat> with how much of like an offensive coordinator Andy Reid already is, it's got to be a tough situation. And he's been a wanted guy for a couple of years and just hasn't taken a job. And just with the friction that's seemingly starting to bubble up with him and Mahomes, you got to think he's gone after this year. Takes a head coaching job. But I, I still think the Chiefs are solid too. So, um, yeah, and, and tonight you got Cowboys. Cowboys-Giants. Can the Giants remain undefeated? Can Cooper Rush score five points? That's all I need. Five points for him to help me bring home the win. Alvin Kamara just absolutely sucks this year. It's terrible. Left Amari Cooper on the bench in that league, so I need... I don't even need five points. I need 3.04 points from Cooper Rush. Just get me like 10 so we don't get 
you know, screwed by a uh, stat correction. Uh, in my other leagues, uh, in probably my best league, this is my two, we'll call this one my two flex league. Uh, I racked up 152 points. Uh, good weeks from Derek Henry, Cordell Patterson. Left Devonta Smith on my bench in that one, so uh, going to move to 3-0 in that one. Uh, in my original league, I will call it, um, got to pick up another win. Didn't have the greatest week, just 108 points in that one. Um, weren't a ton of high scores around that league. There were a couple of big ones, 144, buck 35, then, you know, a buck 02. I think I would have beat like all but three or four teams in that league still. So, um, Mark Andrews was good for me in that one. So yeah, wins. My teams keep winning. Um, what about the family? We'll call this one the family and friends league. Going to win the family and friends league. And then my dynasty league. I uh, I think I'll win that one. Yep, I'll win that one. So I'll go to 2-1. 2-1 uh, and 3-0. and 2-1 oh. and and in two leagues and 3-0 and oh in the other. So uh, my uh, my fantasy my fantasy is uh, going all right. So, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll toss in the, uh, the Monday Night Football recap at the end of this uh, when I throw that in tomorrow morning before I send this uh, app out. That will be Giants, who are minus one and a half, hosting the Cowboys. Give me the Giants. Monday Night Football addendum here uh, as the Dallas Cowboys, the Cooper Rush-led Dallas Cowboys, take down the formerly unbeaten New York football Giants, 23-16. to uh, Dallas scores 10 points in the fourth to uh, secure the lead, and the Giants lose Sterling Shepard, unfortunately. Uh, really not a great... Uh, you know, a great night for them. Uh, Tony Pollard with a big game. Uh, MJ, 60 seconds with MJ, has been uh, has been telling us for about two years now. Uh, he thinks Tony Pollard should be the starter. Uh, Saquon has a good game, 14, 80, 14 for 81 at a TD. Um, catches uh, four balls um, for 45 yards. So nice little fantasy game for him there. Cooper Rush, my man, he gets me 10 points, 215 yards, and a passing touchdown. That is enough for me to uh, win my matchup in my uh, my Midwest League. Um, teams underperforming a little bit in that one, even though I am 3-0. I had won most points in the league uh, for two years in a row. Um, not not really chugging along at that. I'm about 60 points behind the, the most points lead. Need uh, need Alvin Kamara to, to figure it out for me. Uh, but we'll be 3-0 in all my bigger money leagues, which is, which is nice, and 2-1 in the other ones. Um, so looking forward to next week, uh, the Packers, uh, the have the Patriots, as we mentioned, uh, Thursday night football, uh, Dolphins and Bengals, uh, can the Dolphins keep it going heading to Cincinnati? Uh, we've got our first, uh, first overseas game, the Saints and the Vikings. Uh, so you got 830 AM football next week. Uh, any other big ones next week that look very enticing? Uh, Bills Ravens that should be a good game. Uh, Chiefs Bucks on Sunday Night Football and Rams Niners on Monday Night Football. So uh, another fun week of the NFL coming. Um, I did tell you Giants minus one and a half last night. You should just fade all my bets at all time. Just fade the shit out of me. So all right, that uh, that wraps it up. Okay, joining me now, the one, the only Deep Dish is here to talk about the President's Cup. We're gonna slip some golf discussion into uh in between some football talk here uh deep dish how are you doing thanks for joining us 
I'm good, Wally. Uh, spent all day yesterday watching some golf, so ready to go for. The- yeah, well, give me give me just your your high level. Let's start with just your high level thoughts of. Um, did you enjoy the the President's Cup? Uh, what were your what was your kind of feeling going into it, and your feeling watching it and coming out of it? Um, so my biggest takeaway. The USA puts the lights out. I mean, those guys were making them from everywhere. I'm sure we'll dive into that more. Overall, I, I think I was pleasantly surprised by it being competitive. I was kind of under the belief that it wasn't going to be, and the internationals gave us a reason to watch. Yeah, it was definitely something coming into the week. I I was kind of excited to see it because I love the Team Golf President's Cup, Ryder Cup format, and I was worried. I'm like, this thing – the biggest part of the intrigue might be that the Americans might end it on Saturday. Uh, almost did that back in 2017 at Liberty national. I was like, that might be the most intriguing part of this entire thing. But like you said, turns out the, uh, the internationals gave us something to, to kind of be interested in come Sunday. And they had a couple of, there was like an hour long stretch on Sunday where you're like, Oh, this, this could happen. Like I was watching football and golf at the same time. And Every once in a while, I'd like look back and focus a little more on the golf. And at one point, I was like, holy shit, if a couple of these matches flip, like the internationals could do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think overlooked from yesterday, yesterday is, it was actually really close. Uh, um, it was six and a half for the U.S. and five and a half for the internet. Really? The, those first couple of days are, are what won for the U.S. Yeah, the U.S. was up 8-2 after the first day. Um, so from that point on, the uh, the international team got 10.5, and, and the Americans got 9.5. Uh, so after, you know, Saturday and Sunday, uh, the internationals scored more points, funny enough. Um, it was just those those Friday and Thursday, Thursday and Friday matches where the Americans won uh, 7 of 10, um, and then tied two other ones. Only one win uh, for the internationals. And like you said, the Americans throughout the week, and it was nice as being a fan of the Americans to see this happen to the team you root for, because for so many years, this is what it feels like the Europeans do in the Ryder Cup. They just made every putt that mattered. Uh, and then, you know, you were texting me on Sunday. It, it, every every couple minutes, you just text me everywhere because it felt like the Americans were just rolling putts in from everywhere. But for once in our lives, it felt like the Americans made the putts that mattered. Um, and if you look at those matches on Friday, um, two of them on, uh, went to the 17th, two of them went to the 18th, and then on uh, – sorry, that was Thursday. And then on Friday, that uh, one, two, 18, three, 18, one on – so, I mean, all of the 10 matches on Thursday and Friday that the U.S. dominated, only – three of them didn't make it to 18 and two of those made it to 17. So this thing was kind of closer than it seemed. Um, but yeah, what do you think about, you know, seeing the Americans make all those pots? I mean, do you think it was home field advantage? What do you, what do you kind of think about that? Well, I think just overall watching it yesterday, I felt like I spent the first two hours watching the highlight reel. Um, I think it's definitely some home field advantage. I mean, we have, you know, a pretty good track record there between Homa winning there and, and JT winning there. And, uh, you know, a lot of those guys have played there several times. Um, the other thing is, I think you you were saying to me yesterday, I mean, 
those greens are fast and, and our guys are definitely used to that. They grow up playing fast greens. So field advantage. And then I think when you're in the shoes of the U.S. and, you know, you're a guy out there and you got 11 other guys that, that are studs with you um, and you're expected to win and you've been playing well, it's to be free out there. And also pick you up if you get it. Yeah, and I think this, um, like this bunch of guys on the U.S. team, you know, your Spieth, your Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, uh, uh, Colin Morikawa, Zanton Dushoffle, like these guys are now, most of them are on like their third or fourth U.S. teams, and they've started to win. And I, I feel like it's kind of like we're going to find out this theory is going to get tested a lot in a year. Um, but it's kind of like the ball in motion stays in motion kind of thing. Like, they've started to figure out how to win. And, like, the dudes that were on all those losing teams, like, they're not there anymore. So, like, it's just a bunch of dudes who think they're going to go out. They just think they're going to go out and win all the time. Like, some of the only guys that have been through, like, the tough losses were, like, JT's been around for maybe one of the your Ryder Cup losses. Uh, Spieth has been around. He, he dates back a while. But this U.S. team is only – he's either another, never been on a team or is only one. Uh, so I think that plays into it as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to get really tested next year in, in Rome when we can see if we can trot out, you know, a large majority of these guys are still going to be there. Um, but I don't know where I was going with all that as I rambled. So, uh, that's just a thought to keep in mind, but I mean, what do you, do you think there's some, you know, some validity to that? Yeah. I mean, after watching, play yesterday and throughout the week and looking, looking back at the, the Ryder Cup, I mean, I'm of the belief that this team that we, we put out there this week is a better team than the Ryder Cup team we put out there. And reason being, I think, you know, we, we lost some guys to the, the live stuff. Um, but other than DJ, I mean, some of those guys we lost, like a Mickelson or a DeChambeau, a Kepka, um, Patrick Reed, I don't think those were guys that gelled with, with the core of this team. Um, whether that be off the course, on the course, you know, I don't think DeChambeau was a guy that w- was going to hard guy to pair someone with. So I think as a, a unit, this team is is better. And then you look at some of the guys that Burgers, that, Taurus, I mean, that that pool of talent that young ages deep, and there are a bunch of people with the same you know kind of background. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes a great point. Um, I mean, we we mentioned that like this was had every bit of the making to be a huge blowout because, you know, the international team's been outmatched in this to begin with, you know, when they're at full strength, they lose in the last, you know, month or so they lose four of their probably best players. Um, maybe four of their top six players, uh, Cam Smith, Joaquin Neiman, Mark Leishman, and I am forgetting someone all of a sudden, um, point remains so they're all they all go to live um it was i think an amazing feat just for the internationals to make it interesting uh there was if if the u.s had won this thing 20 to 21 to 9 or whatever the the math would turn out to be i don't think anybody would be like oh that was a surprise so i think it was just a great accomplishment by the internationals i mean i don't think they're in it for moral victories but I think they acquitted themselves pretty well, especially after getting down early. And and like I said, hey, they make a couple of putts in those Thursday and Friday matches. This thing's more of a 
more of a ball game coming down the stretch. Absolutely. And when you look at the internet, that that won the play. Otherwise, I mean, it's kind of the same dynamic as we were just talking about the U.S. being the scar tissue is gone. I mean, there's a few guys. Obviously, Adam Scott's played in a ton of President's Cups. Most of these guys are relatively fresh to the scene and probably hungrier than some of those long-standing members of this team. Yeah, and, and you had guys like, um, I mean, obviously the Electric Factory, Tom Kim, uh, but, you know, Siwoo Kim played well as played good as well. Um, Sung J M, uh, my favorite person I like on tour is uh, to compare him to is a a Nick Place. I call Sung J M uh, Asian Nick Place. Um, those guys played good. Adam Scott played some really good golf uh, outside of that first match. So I, I thought, I thought, like you said, you made a great point. Like, there's no scar tissue for them either. Like, they're just coming in, and you know. You always talk about when, like, the number one team in, like, college football or college basketball, when they go on the road, like, they get everybody's best shot. Like, the internationalists are going to give the U.S. their best shot every year. Like, this is obviously, like, the second-tier event, the Ryder Cup obviously being number one. The internationalists don't have that. So, I mean, if this group can keep playing some decent golf, I could see them hanging around. It's just they're kind of matched up against maybe an all-time best kind of U.S. lineup that we've got going for the next, you know, probably five, six years. Absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing that they missed this week, and it's, it's hard to say with a, a young team who it's going to be, is uh, they don't have those, you know, one or two anchor guys. Yeah, you got Adam Scott and Hideki, but you look at, you know, the way Jordan and, and JT were all all week. I mean, they were the guys that went out first. They were the energy guys. And Tom Kim was going to be that guy for them yesterday. They ended up putting him late in the lineup. I understand it. Don't necessarily agree with it. But I thought Trevor Immelman did a great job. So I'm not going to question too much of what he decided. Yeah, that was an interesting placement. I mean, I think the the, the strategy behind it is, that when it comes down to it, if they've done what they need to do, somebody's kind of got to be back there uh, to be kind of like the anchor to like bring it home. And I think that's probably what they were going with. If I would have to like that, that's how I read it. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, I thought the U S kind of kind of stacked the top with the exception of home and Morikawa, but their last half of their guys were kind of more stoic, go about your business guys than, than people that were going to, get the crowd going and, and bring the energy um, if it did matter that late in the day. And I thought that kind of evident if you look at some of the, the latter matches, we didn't fare as well in those. Yeah. And turns out um, Max Homer requests, I was listening to a podcast that he made an appearance on after last night and turns out he requested to play Tom Kim. So he was kind of going to be following him wherever. So that placement was more just to, to match him up with Tom Kim. Yeah, I, I was really rooting for uh, a JT Tom Kim number one match right off the start, but I thought that would that would have been an absolute electric factory, and I would have loved every minute of it. Um, just touching on some uh, some like kind of overall records, um, kind of an interesting one because I really feel like he played a lot better than his records says. Is Sam Burns 0-3? and two for Sam Burns this week. Um, no wins and just two ties. 
very, I don't know, at least from the golf I watch, I think he played pretty bad the first day. But after that, I felt like he played some really good golf. Um, now, I think he got matched up a couple of times against kind of like the buzzsaw. Like, I think Sung Im and Sebastian Munoz were getting really hot on that Friday. Uh, he played KH Lee and Tom Kim uh, Saturday morning. Um, and then him and Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel didn't give him much, but Adam Scott and Cam Davis were playing their balls off Saturday night. So, uh, kind, of, kind of a rough week on paper. And then he ties Hideki, um, who was playing some good golf and might even lost the Hideki if the, uh, the Marshall wasn't like – taking body shots of, with Hideki's ball down this down the 18th hole. But um, it, did you get the similar feeling about Sam Burns? I mean, 0-3 and 2 sounds like a like a bad week, but uh, he seems like he's going to be a guy coming out of this who could really kind of build off some momentum he made this week. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the Marshall taking one for the U.S. team and kind of <laughs> redirecting Hideki's ball there. I thought that was pretty good. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think Sam Burns did – put them in five matches so they obviously like what they saw from them and sometimes that happens right i mean it's just a bad bad draw on his part but he certainly didn't lay down in that match i mean i was looking at some of the scores to par for the match he actually you know if they were going off the score beat hideki by a couple shots yeah the uh the the funny you know the funny way that uh match play can work and that can happen um a couple other kind of notable you know um resumes tony finau kind of a quiet three and one pat cantley three and one like pat cantley and xander shoffley just seem to be killers who kind of get a little missed like i know we talk about it but like those two just murder people like at, at least once uh you know once a you know a week when these team events they just lay an absolute beat down on somebody um jordan spieth and justin thomas absolutely smoking people this week um, and Jordan Spieth, first ever win in a singles in a Ryder Cup or President's Cup this week. Uh, anybody else kind of on the American side that, like, really stood out to you? Um, well, the fact that it's Spieth's first singles win is remarkable. Um, and they won it as much as uh, uh, Cam Davis just kind of. Or the home round, and you know, I don't think Davis made a part or birdie through the first like 12 holes of the match. But the guy, the guy that impressed me was, was definitely Sam Burns or, or Max Home. I mean, I think those guys were both being their first time out there, embraced the moment. Obviously, far different records, but neither of them shied away. And definitely how much it meant to him and himself. And it's amazing that those two with the golf swings they have ever miss a fairway. Like those are the most, especially Max Holm. I, I like Sam Burns move too, but it feels like Max Holm's golf swing never leaves like the perfect plane. Like, I don't know how that dude doesn't just stripe it right down the middle to 10 feet all day. And Hey, maybe he will coming out of this um, for the internationals uh, two really kind of real, real bad spots for him. Uh, Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith, uh, 0-8, not great for Canada there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that Corey Connors-Shoffley match yesterday was the definition of a pillow fight. Um, 
except <laughs> in the case of Connors, he just had the pillowcase. Um, I mean, Xander <laughs> Xander didn't play well. I, the, the scores for that match, as I looked it up, was Xander plus one, Connors plus four. And that match was Corey Connors to win down the stretch. I mean, Xander um, grinded to make some pars and some bogeys to tie holes basically 16, 17, 18. Um, and, and Connors just – he couldn't get the ball to go in the hole early. And talk about something that just – you know, looked like they wanted it to be over right after it started. That that was what I took from Corey Connors. Uh, Taylor, yeah, Pendrith, I mean, I mean, Pendrith played played pretty well yesterday against Finau. There was there was a pivotal moment in that match. I think on sixteen, made like a fifteen play for birdie when he was one up, and Pendrith had like six seven feet for birdie that would put the match even if Finau didn't make it. Finau makes it, Pendrith misses, and in that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Xander Schauffele, I, I it's I think it's fifteen. It's the old, it's the real eighteen. Um, he was hitting a shot from left of the hazard, which he might, I think he was in the hazard, so I think he was hitting his third shot. Knocked a great shot on to like twenty feet, and then I look away, I look back, and it's he's putting for par to win the hole. And I was like, what? What is going on in this match that his par putt from twenty five feet is to win the hole? Um, so, yeah, I think he nailed it with the, the pillow fight. Uh, obviously, uh, the dude kind of coming out from the uh, international side, Tom Kim, um, he goes two and three, but I don't think that's indicative of, of kind of what he brought. Um, Sebastian Munoz, 2-0-1. Oh, uh, in hindsight, maybe play him more. He's got, he seems like a great dude for match plays, can just get stupid hot. And then uh, Siwoo, Siwoo shaking that ass, three and one this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sebastian Munoz, uh, you know, was a guy I, – I didn't know a ton about him. Obviously, you see the name around, whatever. But watching him yesterday, I mean, that, that dude can play. Yeah, it feels like every, like, two or three months he shoots, like, 62 or, like, 29 on a side. And you're like, oh, oh, shit. And then he just kind of doesn't do much with it to go forward. But, um, yeah, dude, uh, dude can get hot as shit, so – yeah, I think those are kind of the main points. I mean, you got anything else to add on it? Anything else that you took away? You know, looking forward, what do you think? Well, uh, to start with, like, something for this year that I think I overlooked and, and you and I talked a little bit about, but having played some two-man events and stuff, I mean, that language barrier that the internationals face of just dialogue about how to play a hole or, you know, the strategy of a hole, um, I, I don't think they get – for for working through that yeah absolutely murder um you know in foursomes as well as four ball just trying like you said just trying to communicate what you're doing uh and you know this year they had a little bit more of like you know kind of an asian influence i don't know that they're all from the same you know countries in asia like hideki and sung i don't know um but like sebastian munoz i don't Maybe him and Christian Behazen who speak some, a similar language. Um, but, yeah, that's what they've always dealt with. And it seems like it's a wider, you know, obviously it's the rest of the world. So they're picking from a wider kind of, you know, base of people. Um, the Europeans have dealt with it a little bit, but it feels like all of them kind of speak English. And they've been able to just be like, oh, the Spanish guys will play together and the Swedes will all play together. So 
yeah, really something tough to overcome that, like you said, I don't think it gets mentioned near enough. Um, you know, like you said, Americans, they're all speaking English. There's no confusion about like, hey, you play these whole like the discussion on what holes to play in foursomes um, is probably something really big or, you know, the way they want to maybe talk about how to hit a putt just can't have that. Like just they're struggling, you know, if maybe if they have a common language in English that they can kind of get through it a little bit, but it's not like the conversation you or I could have. An alternate shot, um, something as simple of, hey, the guy hits one out of position off the tee, and you're trying to figure out what's a good number, you know, lay up to to give him a chance of hitting a wedge tight. I mean, I guess maybe the caddies play some points on that. They play translator. I don't know. But that that's a situation. Yeah, that but it's one additional step that, you know, yeah, one additional step. Even if they, the caddies can do the translating, like, it's just one more thing they have to worry about um, that – you know, the Americans don't. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how you equate that to points or something, but I would say it definitely handicaps them and, and puts them behind a little bit. Absolutely. Anything else as a takeaway you got from the, the 2022 president's cup? I think for both the U or well, actually all of them, the U S the Europeans, the internationals that, uh, Everybody can take a page out of, of Tom Kim's book on how to embrace a, a hostile environment. Yep. Yeah. He, he went in there, embraced like what he was going to do and just kind of went with it, uh, rolled with it, got, was pumping the crowd up. Like he didn't care, like kind of just played into like, I don't care. I'm just going to go out there and scream. Um, we had two great endings to the days on Friday and then Saturday. Uh, Max Homa walking the putt in. And then, like, the perfectly timed let's fucking go matching the fist pumps. And then Tom Kim on Saturday doing the uh, walking it in when watching the putt on TV. I was not really sure that thing was going in and just smoking the hat into the ground. Um, Golf celebrations uh, can be very awkward with the hugs. And I will say the Americans nailed, like, just the hard hug real quick, better Friday than the internationals did they got stuck in that like awkward is this like a chest bump hug or are we like doing the hug hug um but yeah just some great theater that uh i was worried we weren't gonna get but yeah tom cam just embraced the moment a hundred percent yeah yeah and let's uh let's go back to that saturday chat um him come down 18 with who he was playing with what siwoo siwoo was in trouble and uh yep he had like 240 and just Rips a two iron to like ten feet, makes it. I, I mean, that was unbelievable. That was that was the shot of the weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, because I think Xander and Cantlay had like a buck sixty to like a buck forty, somewhere in that range. Like for some reason, he was way back. Yeah, uh, but yeah, just he needed a wheelbarrow to finish up to walk up that hole. Yes. Let's do this. Looking forward, I just pulled up the the Ryder Cup standings. Um, Obviously, these barely mean anything just because of, you know, they're only taking into account uh, majors this year. So there's a lot going on. But the top six uh, for America, Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, Justin Thomas, Cameron Young, uh, Dustin Johnson still on this list, uh, Colin Morikawa. That's the top six. Um, the next six is, six is Kevin Kisner, Keegan Bradley, Xander Shoffley, Cantlay, 
Harold Varner III still here, and then Brian Harmon. Um, you have to imagine, you know, Beef isn't on that list, um, so he's going to be there. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's right there. Who else am I missing that's going to be there that's not on the list? Uh, Sam Burns, probably. Um, looking forward, yeah, like, that's a team that's got to be set up to have success in Rome. And funny enough, Kisner only got half a point this week. If he can keep playing well, I think he'd be great on uh, this course in Rome that seems to be kind of short and dinky and and weird. So, I mean, just looking forward to the Ryder Cup next year. Uh, Europeans not really stacked with talent again. I mean, like, is this the year? Is this when it finally happens? Um, I mean, I'm sitting here right now, and I'm trying to think outside of, like, McElroy, who would be on the European team with all those guys going to live. Um, obviously there's a, a few others that have been there, but yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, even if those guys had their, their normal roster, I think, I think that you did that. Yeah. I mean, for Europe, you're talking so, Matt Fitzpatrick. Plug and play. Yeah. Yep. Well, awesome. Well, hopefully, uh, after the Ryder cup next year, we're having the same discussion on how the, uh, the U S dominated again. So, uh, deep dish. As always, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and if uh, you want to give the, the world any last party thoughts, now is your time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Wally. And uh, New Jersey Devils are going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, when that happens, I won't be surprised. I will be hugely surprised if my, my Philadelphia Flyers do. So we'll, uh, we'll maybe we'll talk some hockey sometime in the future. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Thanks, Deep Dish. Have a good one. You too. Let's get back to the gridiron, college football. By the way, I've watched, I think, as much, if not more, college football this year than I have in, like, the last two or three. Um, Really been enjoying it. I don't know why I've enjoyed it so much more this year, but I have. And, you know, so I'm going to keep watching. Uh, Let's hit Clarky's Corner. Uh, Clarky's Corner, last week he gets a – he gets a win with Louisville, minus 13. That was an easy cover. They went 41-3 and win over South Florida. He had UNC plus one against Notre Dame. That's going to be a loss for him. They go down 32-45. That was where Ole Walls disagreed with Clarkie's corner. I went with Notre Dame there. Uh, a uh, Sneaks out a win. Georgia Tech. Uh, loses to UCF 27-10, to but they're getting 18 points. So that's a win for Clarkie's corner. And uh, he goes Kansas State plus 13 as they win the game outright, 41-34 over Oklahoma. Clarkie goes 3-1 this week, and Ole Walls goes 4-0. So Clarkie on the year, 12-7-1. Ole Walls moves to 15-4-1. I think I had... The records all messed up last week. I believe those to be correct. 12-7-1 for Clarkie. 15-4-1 for Ole Walls. You will remember there was uh, one slight discrepancy where the line changed so you could see Ole Walls at 14-5-1 and and Clarkie at 13-6-1 if you wish. But uh, we're going to give the one that's more beneficial to Ole Walls. Not going to lie. I'm in it for me. Uh, This week, this week's picks for Clarkie. He likes... Old Miss plus six and a half. Is that six and a half or is it 16 and a half? I better double check that. I better double plus six and a half. Uh, I'm going to break with them there. I'm going to go Kentucky 
I'm going to go Kentucky covers that spread. Uh, he likes Rutgers plus 40 and a half versus Ohio State. I like that as well. His uh, lock of the week is Iowa State minus three and a half versus Kansas. And his upset special is NC State over Clemson. I'm going to ride with those. The only other one I'm going to disagree with him on. Clarkie's Northwestern Wildcats are headed to Happy Valley to play the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, Northwestern is getting 25 and a half. I'm going to stupidly take Penn State just for funsies. Uh, I think Northwestern probably covers that, but eh, let's go fucking Lions. See if we can get any James Franklin fire, fire Franklin text going. Because uh, I didn't have any going because I stepped away from the TV after the Lions went up 14-0. Thought the game was well in hand, 14-0 in the first quarter. Uh, and turns out the Central Michigan Chippewas want to chip their way back into the game and tied it up 14-14. Uh, our good friend Daddy, who can't win a bet to save his life, did uh, did fire off the maybe fire Franklin text in the uh, in the group chat. So yeah, Penn State thirty three to fourteen win over Central Michigan. Uh, end up holding them scoreless in the second half. After like I said, they go up fourteen uh, nothing. Let them score twice to get it back to fourteen uh, fourteen. Then ended up taking the lead to go up twenty one fourteen. But uh, but yeah. Uh, interesting game, but hey, a win's a win. Uh, Northwestern coming to town. Uh, Boomers come to join us with a uh, with an old sock here. Uh, Northwestern comes to town uh, next week. Uh, kind of a game for Penn State that could be a trap game. Uh, Northwestern this week before the bye week next week, and then following the bye, heading to Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor is a whore, in case you were wondering. Um, but heading to Ann Arbor for a big showdown, which could be a showdown of top 10 teams by the time that gets there, uh, depending on what kind of shakeups you see. Um, so it, it could be a trap game. Like I said, I like Clarkie's bet that Northwestern's getting 25 and a half. Um, it, it's a game that the Penn State really needs to just take care of business in and, and get the job done. Um, did take a look at maybe traveling over to Ann Arbor. Uh didn't even look at tickets, just looked at what the prices of hotels were in Ann Arbor. Um, it's $939 a night for a hotel, and the only reason I could even get a hotel is because I was a uh, Hilton Honors Diamond member Diamond member here, uh, so they guarantee one. Um, other college football stuff, Texas Tech with a big win over Texas. Um Last time Texas is going to be in Lubbock for for a while with their impending departure to the SEC. Um, Over in the SEC, Tennessee takes down Florida. That's the biggest win for Tennessee that I can remember in, what, 10, 12, 15 years maybe? Uh, So big win for them. Atmosphere looked awesome. Uh, Texas A&M takes out Arkansas. Uh, We mentioned that Oklahoma went down to Kansas State. Uh, so some some big games and some big results. Uh, next week, uh, some big games coming our way. I'm, I'm, you know, we talked about Kentucky and Old Miss. Uh, I'd like Kentucky there. I don't know why. I just think the Wildcats. You know, they're ready for some top notch football. Uh, Oklahoma State. I'm a man. I'm 40. He's actually like 55 now. But uh, our boy's gonna lead them up against Baylor. Uh, we got Alabama and Arkansas. Can Arkansas bounce back after their loss? And, you know, NC State and Clemson. Boomer's fired up. Boomer is fired up about it. Um, so, yeah, some fun football coming next week, too. So uh, we'll be looking forward to it. And 
Obviously touching base on it again the following week here. Real quick fight update here. Uh, just a couple things from the weekend. Joe Joyce knocks out Joseph Parker in the 11th round. Big hook sends him down. Uh, saw a little bit of this fight. Sloppy. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. That's all I can say. Uh, not thoroughly impressed skill-wise. Um, as far as the entertainment value, the two stood in front of each other and threw shit at each other all night. Um, watched maybe half the fight. So, uh, entertainment factor? Yeah, I'm in. I'll watch Joe Joyce fight again. Do I think he can hang with, like, the Usyks or the Tyson Furies? No. Speaking of Tyson Fury, this dude's a jackass. Just go away. Like, you just go retire like you said you were gonna. Like, you're a great fighter, but I'm just sick of the, like, oh, I'm gonna fight this guy. I'm gonna fight that guy. You have two days to tell me the end. You have a week. Now it's off. Anthony Joshua fights off now. Like, that was never for real, though. Like, that was all bullshit. He was never going to fight Anthony Joshua. I doubt he ever fights Usyk. He'll duck him, too. Um, he's going to go fight Manuel Char, or whatever his name is. And you can kiss my ass if you think I'm going to pay money to watch that. Um, Shakur Stevenson, he picks up a unanimous decision win over Kansenseiko, uh, maybe? Don't call me. Um... 118-108, uh, 117-109, 117-109, gets a knockdown in the fourth round. Biggest story out of this is that he loses his titles on the scale, uh, weighs in at 131.6 for a fight at the uh, limit of 130, decides not to try and lose the weight in the two hours they're allotted after they miss weight the first time, says his health isn't worth it. And it'll be moving up to 135 afterwards. So his titles at 130 are vacated. He goes up to 135 where Tank Davis has been. And I have a strange feeling Tank Davis will want nothing to do with him. And he'll go run into 140 where he won't want anything to do with Ryan Garcia at 140. So here we go. Not a doubt Tank Davis won anything to do with Tiafimo Lopez at 140 either. So hopefully there's some good stuff at 135. I mean, Devin Haney's still there, but, you know, he's wrapped up and heading to 140 soon. You got, you know, Vasily Lomachenko, but, man, Lomachenko, I, I can't see him wanting Shakur Stevenson with no belts on the line. Just doesn't seem like the risk is worth the uh, the reward there. So, yeah, that's all I got for the fight game. Um, I don't – we got Deontay Wilder coming up. We got uh, hopefully – Errol Spence Jr. and uh, Bud Crawford. I will believe that the week of the fight when they're actually there, and I will really believe it when they both make weight the day before. So uh, there'll be some UFC stuff kind of coming up here as well. Uh, nothing caught my eye this past weekend on that front. So uh, that wraps up for the fight stuff this weekend. Okay, let's hit up those uh, passing thoughts, if you will. Um, Albert Poolhouse. Uh, saw the uh, two home runs Friday, number 700, 699 and 700 on Friday. Uh, pretty cool. Um, it's it's both, it's not really amazing or, or like that, you know, unbelievable to hit 700 home runs. You got to play a long time. But like, it's just funny to think back how long ago, like he was, he's been playing. Like I can remember <clears throat> in MLB 05, I think it was MLB 05, he was on the cover and he was just an absolute stud in that game and, and, you know, in that, you know, in that time frame, um, he was not on the cover of MLB 2005. That was uh, 
Manny. Manny being Manny. Man, what cover was he on? Was he on 04 or 06, maybe? Now I gotta know. Now you gotta deal with me looking shit up in the middle of recording this, because I have to know. Because I have to know. Nope, wasn't on 06 either. Maybe I, I... Why do I think he was on the cover of something? This is this is mind-blowing to me. Like, I've... I, I It's it's broken me. He wasn't on 04 either. I, I, I've i lost it. That's something I've always... Rem- I've always remembered that he was on the cover of MLB 05. And I've been totally wrong my entire life, apparently. He's not on 06 either. Is he on 07? Like, is at what point did that game go away? It went for a while. It didn't go away in 07. MLB 07 is the show. So, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable that I, I... I'm just... I'm I'm miffed. I'm miffed. Well, but that's showing me MLB 2000... MVP, MVP baseball. That's what it was. Was it MVP baseball? Who knows? We're going to find out real quick. Yep, MVP, because MVP 03 had Tejada and Randy Johnson, like I thought. So let's see if we get this right here. MVP 05. Nope, MVP 05 had Manny. MVP 04? Uh, I can't find it. Turns out, wow, just I'm, I've am i lost it. I've lost my mind. I've lost my mind. I had another stat I was going to give you here. Uh, Albert Pujols, 700 home runs. Where, 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 now, I'm all, now I'm all flustered. Okay. So his this is a tweet from Jeremy Frank at MLB Random Stats. This is his handle. Albert Pujols' average home run trot over the years has been tracked by StatCast is approximately 26 seconds. Extrapolated over his full career, Pujols has spent just over five hours, five hours of his life just running the bases after hitting home runs. I don't know. I thought that was pretty incredible. So uh, Albert Pujols, uh, he is a dude. Um, I don't know how this is, I've just gotten to this point now, but you know, we all do all these zoom and teams and WebEx and all these meetings for, for work nowadays, you know, post pandemic, everybody thinks every meeting needs to be a zoom meeting. Um, we can't just have a call in meeting anymore. They're just, they have to be zoom meetings and it's inevitable, inevitable. And I'm guilty of it at some point in some meeting, somebody is going to start talking, and they're going to be on mute. And then there's somebody in the meeting. You're on mute, Steve. Steve, you're on mute. Jimmy, Jimmy, you're muted. And it's it's just, it, it grinds my gears sometimes. I don't know why. I shouldn't. Like, of course they need to be told that they're on mute. They're just talking. They think they're talking. They think people hear them. But, Bob, you're on mute. Bob, Bob, you're muted. We just, I just don't, I don't know. Every meeting doesn't need to be a WebEx Teams Zoom meeting anymore. I don't know. Just maybe, I don't know. You guys ever been like sleeping or sitting around and like you're just so uncomfortable for no reason? Like you just feel weird, like your hands and your fingers and like you can't get it to feel right. I had that the other day in bed. Like 
my I had like a little like soreness in my foot and then my body just felt weird. It felt like my shirt wasn't ever on right. It even felt like my underwear were always like turned wrong and like if you I had to keep like putting my hands together to try and get the feeling right. Anyone ever have that? What is that? Was I having a fucking panic attack? I mean, what what's going on? And every once in a while I get it where like your just body doesn't feel comfortable in any sense or form. And I'm just like flailing around here. You guys can't see me. But like it, it just you feel so weird and I just don't know what it is. Uh I just I just don't understand. And it happens every once in a while. But that that was the like a couple of nights ago. I couldn't get comfortable for like an hour in bed. I, I was starting to freak out. If maybe I didn't have a panic attack, but I was working myself into one. Um, so I don't anyone ever deal with that. Maybe fill me in on what it is. Uh, what else? What else? Ooh, 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 this was a good one. Uh, Bitch Please 2 came on my, uh, it popped up on my, uh, my phone. It started playing, like, the music I had downloaded to my phone. Um, and it got me thinking, hey, that song's incredible. But whatever happened to X to the Z exhibit? Like, he was, you know, pumping out songs, doing Pimp My Ride. Is he still out there? I, I, I didn't look him up. I just, I, it was one of those things, like, I don't know where he went. X to the Z. Um, ooh, let's do this. Let's save the food ones for all together. I got a couple other funny, uh, like, meme things. Uh, Sports Center, and tell me, if you guys honestly know this, without having to look it up, and you can honestly shoot me a message and tell me, I'll send you a, an OWH shirt. Do you know who the Las Vegas Aces are? If you can honestly say you did, which I don't think anybody could. Let me know. Prove it somehow, and I'll tell you. But here's the answer. Because Sports Center tweeted out for anyone who wants to join the fun in Vegas and with the the like sweaty smiley face with like the the teardrop, but it's up above the eye, so it's like sweating. May I leave early to attend the Las Vegas Aces Championship Celebration? And it shows two boxes with a yes over top, you know, so two check boxes with yes. I had no idea who the Las Vegas Aces were. They're a WNBA team. No clue. No clue, but SportsCenter's tweeting it out like I should know. So, yeah. Uh, Also, uh, 10 years ago, it was earlier this week, or this weekend, Saturday, I think, uh, the Fail Mary in the Monday night football game between the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that rivalry, I guess you want to call it, was at its all-time high in that stretch. Um, and, you know, the Packers defender caught the ball, held it to his chest, and, you know, the receiver just kind of reached around it. And somehow, those replacement refs said, touchdown Seahawks. Well, one said, nope, it was an interception. The dude intercepted the football. The dude intercepted the football. There was also like a phantom uh, uh, pass interference like three plays before, if I can remember right. Just absolute and total bullshit. Absolute and total bullshit. Saw this. uh, I I don't. Did I mention this? I can't remember. I can't remember if I mentioned the loser of the Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady game has to call their family. Did I I say that one? If I didn't, I said it again. Um, So there's that. Also, I saw this one. This is a good one. 
It's a picture of an old three-piece stereo, and it says the staple of any teenager's room 20 years ago, the three-piece stereo. And it was so true. It had I had one, you know, the two standalone speakers, the the middle one with the the double tape decks, the three-disc CD changer. Why you ever need a three-disc CD changer when you're, you know, for a standalone stereo? Who knows? But, you know, some people had, like, I think my dad had one that was, like, a a 60-disc CD changer. You just loaded them up and just spun it around. I can remember cars. My brother's dad had a car, and I can remember my brother uh, using it a, a time or two. I think it was a Jeep. And it had, like, a 5 or 10-disc thing in the back of the car. Like, you would load it up and then put it. There'd be, like, a spot, like, back in the trunk that you would push it in. And then you could operate it from up front, obviously. But, yeah, you'd load the 10 in and, like, in the trunk. So that was always cool. But, yeah, the three-piece stereo. I had one. Um, I used to open the window and just play my music loud so I could hear music out my window and shoot hoops out in my driveway. That used to piss my mom off that I would do that. She'd be like, I'm in the fucking house. Okay, food stuff, food stuff. So let's start with this one. You just inherited a private island and only two fast food places will be built. So I think you actually have to like imagine you're stuck on the private island. I think that's the way to do this. You're stuck on a private island. You can only build two fast food places. The options, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Five Guys, Chipotle, KFC, Taco Bell, Burger King, Subway. First off, we're going to eliminate some here. Starbucks, gone. KFC, gone. McDonald's, gone. Taco Bell, gone. Burger King, gone. Okay, so now we're down to Five Guys, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, and Subway. Chipotle's going for me. And I think, I think the answer, and it's not the best of these, but I think the answer for the other one is Subway. And I like Chipotle and Subway for these reasons. You have options. Like there's, like you can do a lot with them. So Chipotle and Subway. Chick-fil-A and Five Guys, while I love them, and I think they are better than Subway, it's it's the same thing. Like, you're getting burgers or chicken sandwiches. Subway, you can mix it up. Chipotle, you can mix it up. Speaking of food, I also did some, uh, some, some fooding myself this weekend. Made some grilled cheese. Got a nice loaf of brioche bread. Made it on the electric griddle. God, those things are awesome. A little electric plug-in griddle. No stick surface. You just wipe that thing off with a paper wet paper towel at the end, then dry it up. Perfect. Uh, also did some breakfast sandwiches on there. We went sausage, egg and cheese. You know, get your sausage going. Cover them to get a little steamy. Same with the eggs. You can do the eggs, throw a little cheese on, cover them. Then you can put the bread right on it. Uh, get the bread a little crispy, a little toasty, a little warm and golden. Combine it all together. Let it mix in just a little. Mm. That's what I call a meal. That's how you make a breakfast sandwich. I can make me a breakfast sandwich. I'm a breakfast wizard. I'm a breakfast wizard in that electric griddle. You need the electric griddle and you need the Blackstone. Because sometimes you just want something in the house real quick, quick cleanup, easy. Boom. That's what your electric grill for. Sometimes you got to do it. You got to do it up. And that's what you need your Blackstone for. So, All right. That's all I got, people. Let's take this thing to the house. It's closing time. Let's wrap this thing up, everybody. Uh, as always, thank you guys so much for your support. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. 
Uh, as always, though, if you can, tell people about it, share it. Um, gonna do a giveaway coming up, uh, sneaking up on 50 episodes here. Crazy. Almost, uh, almost a full year sneaking up on, uh, 12 weeks away from 50 episodes, 14 weeks away from a full year of doing this. Uh, pretty wild. So again, thank you guys. Uh, gonna do a giveaway at 50 episodes. Um, and again, thanks for the support. Appreciate it to the end of the week. We are back next week as always. Um, hoping to set up a little, Quarterly State of the Union on the the Green Bay Packers. Um, uh, as long as we can make some schedules work, that's uh, that will be going on a little quarterly State of the Union for the Packers. So, as always, I appreciate you guys. Till next week, peace.